0: I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show.
1: I'm still business friends with a lot of people that I cold pitch to and now like I feel like I could just like DM them or call some of them call them and so it definitely built out a lot of good relationships.
0: Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business and finding ways to work smarter, not harder in business and life. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. I'm an MBA, business strategist, and mentor who helps overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with strategy and systems. On this podcast, we'll explore simple ways to earn more while working less. If you're ready to scale your business, bring order to chaos, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast. Today, I am super excited to introduce you to my friend, Dolly DeLong. I've listened to Dolly's podcast for a long time, and I was recently a guest on her podcast as well. So I will link that in the show notes if you want to hear my episode on her show. But Dolly and I realized through our conversation that we have so much in common and These conversations were just so fun for me. Dolly is the real deal. She knows her stuff and she is one of the most genuine, caring business owners that I have met. And I'm super excited for you to hear this episode and learn more about her entrepreneurial journey and how you can improve your systems and workflows in your business. And disclaimer, we do talk about her email list and how she grew up by 4,000 subscribers in five days. But we got sidetracked and we dug into a lot of good topics before we got to the email list part. And so if you are only listening for that part, you can skip ahead about 30 or 40 minutes. I'll include the exact timestamp in the show notes if you want to look there. So if you do want to skip to that part of the conversation, you can. But promise me, you are not going to want to miss this first part of the conversation and all of the knowledge and wisdom that is packed into this episode. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Dolly.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having
0: me. Absolutely. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling the audience a little bit more about what you do?
1: Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So, hi, everyone. My name is Dolly DeLong. I am based in Nashville. So, I'm a Nashville based family photographer and branding photographer. I work as a creative business owner. And then a second side to my business is called Dolly DeLong Education. And I I educate other creative business owners on systems and workflows, and so just pretty much how to put together the puzzle pieces on the back end of their business so that they understand what systems, workflows, and automations are. So I feel like I'm pretty multi-passionate, but I have those two main things within my business.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into that. And I'm going to ask you some questions because you do do <laughs> a lot of things in your business and you do them all so well. So we're definitely going to dig into that.
1: Thank you so much. Oh, I guess I should mention I'm also a wife and a boy mom. I have two sons. One is currently four and one is a newborn, Jack. He's three months. So I am I was just telling you, Jade, that I am watching him on the monitor. So he is currently snoozing right now. So I'm a proud boy mom. Mm. I have this irrational fear of having boys
0: and it always makes me feel better <laughs> when I meet boy moms who are just loving their lives.
1: <laughs> I I love it. I, to be honest, I was terrified when we went to our ultrasound appointment and I found out I was having another boy. My husband who knew I wanted a girl was like, are you going to be okay? Cause I was like terrified again. Aww. I was like, I just I just want another, I want a girl. And so, but it's amazing now that Jack's here, it's exactly what I needed and God knew exactly what I needed and what my husband needed. So I love being a boy mom. It's really rewarding.
0: Yeah. And on my husband's side, there's actually no boys who are carrying on like the Boyd name. Yeah. And so I feel like since there have been no boys, we're due for one in the family and that's probably going (laughs) to be, you know, but I also would love to have a girl,
1: but we'll see how it plays out. You can't choose. Yeah. You just never know what's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Anyway, so I'm really curious. (laughs) We kind of met. I've listened to your podcast for a long time, but we met when I was a guest interviewee on your podcast a few weeks ago. And I realized that we have a lot of things in common when it comes to like our backgrounds, your love of national parks and your history and student affairs. And I've never heard the full story of how you came to start your business. And so I would love to hear your background and where your passion for entrepreneurship started and
1: how it turned into the business that you have today. Yeah, definitely. So I'll try to keep this very long-winded story very short. Give you like the highlight reel. But when I... So I feel really old when I say this. But some may perceive it as old, some may still perceive it as young. So I'll just go with this. I graduated from college in 2007. So that was quite a while back. And I I promise this has a point. So when I graduated from college, my grandparents had gifted me with a camera. And so we all know where that's going to lead. Like that started my photography journey. So for those of you who listened in the introduction, I am a family and branding photographer. And currently it's 2023. But in 2007, I had no desire of being an entrepreneur. I went to college primarily, I I actually had my master's in counseling. So I went to college to become a, a counselor And so after I graduated, my, again, my parents, my grandparents gifted me with a camera and I was one of the only people on campus at the time. Now, keep in mind, this is 2006, 2007 with a digital camera. Okay. And so I was the go-to photographer for all of my friends at the time. And I realized how much I loved it. It was so much fun. And I, I got this itching feeling like, Oh, I, I love doing this. I wish I can just do this, but I did not listen to that. I ignored it. I pushed it aside because that was not the traditional nine to five that I had grown up believing like, you know, that narrative that a lot of people grow up with. And so I pushed it aside, continued to get my master's in counseling, had a counseling job, but on the side, I was still taking on word of mouth. Friends were sending other referrals to me. I was growing a family photography business without knowing I was growing a family photography business. Fast forward to 2018. So that's, this is like, over, over 10 Fresh. years later, a friend, yes, I was still like, I was still doing photography. But then I was still working at a university at this point. I was not doing counseling, but I was working with college students. So I worked in a higher education for seven years and I would work with college students, helping them like enter into college, prepare for college. And then my last year, I worked with international students, just like helping them get their visas ready and like helping them have all their paperwork and just helping them feel confident and prepared to come in as a student to an American university. I loved it. I love college students so much. It's just a new season of life. It's just so exciting. Yeah. And so, but that was the year I got pregnant. So 2018 is the year my firstborn was born and I had gone to my boss at the time and I told him, Hey, this, this is what's happening. I am going, I'm going to be a mom. And at the time, I didn't know Blaze's name, but Blaze was going to be born in November. So I let them know like, Hey, this is my, this is what I would like to do. I would like to come back and do part-time work at least because I, here's the thing. I love working and Diving into a business full time was a terrifying thought to me because I like the stability of a nine to five paycheck, and I had it pretty. For me, it was pretty comfortable. Like it was a very comfy position because I had insurance. I had like everything. Like I had everything I needed. And at that time I was newly married. My husband and I had gotten married in 2016. We had paid off all of our student loans. We were debt-free. We were excited for the future. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, we like, we were planning everything out. And so I was like, okay, I can do this part-time and take care of my son. Like I can do it all. And my boss then decided to turn around and email everyone and say, well, Dolly is leaving us to pursue, like, I don't know. Like he just pretty much told everyone my last day was in August, even though I had told him. Yeah. You said you wanted to go part-time and he
0: just announced you were leaving.
1: Wow. Yeah. 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 And I was like, so my husband and I were like, well, I guess this is like I'm going to have two babies this year. I'm going to have my, my literal physical baby. And then that is how my full-time business came. Because at that time I was actually making the same amount that I was making in higher education. I just, I just didn't want to go full-time into the business. Although I daydreamed about it all the time. Mm -hmm. So Hey, that was the kick in the pants I needed, even though it was terrifying, it was scary. And there's still, I mean, it's still been a journey since then, because like, like owning your own business is a roller coaster in of itself. And so that's kind of what started my full-time business journey in 2018. Even though I've been a photographer since 2007, I came into this business. I call it accidentally because I didn't intend to.
0: Right. You didn't even decide to. They just made you quit apparently.
1: Yeah. I was like, okay. And now it's the best thing ever because it really is because I get to be at home full-time with both of my sons. I get to create my own hours. I mean, it is a roller coaster. I don't want to paint it to be like all roses and rainbows and butterflies because there are moments where I'm like, I want to work all the time, but then I need to be present for my sons. And then there are moments where I'm like, I don't want to work. I just, I just want to lay around. And uh, mm-hmm. so it, it definitely is a roller coaster. So I don't, I don't want to paint an unrealistic picture of it for anyone yeah. who's listening.
0: I want to dig into that a little bit more. And I had to like lean back from the microphone because I couldn't stop laughing at that email <laughs> because who does that? It's just such a most bizarre like quitting your job story I've heard to date. But It was weird. I'm sure it's easy to laugh now, but at the time it probably wasn't super funny. And two of my coaching clients have quit their jobs this spring. And a third one is on the cusp of making that decision. And when it comes to leaving your full-time job or your part-time job, even like you said, if you have a sustainable income or close to like the same income coming from your business, there's still a lot of emotions there, especially if you don't hate your job. like You might really like your job and be passionate about moving on. And so with my clients, we've definitely had to talk through like, it's okay to be really sad about that and really excited at the same time. But I would love to hear your experience and how that transition felt. Because now it's kind of like, yeah, everything worked out. But at the time, you didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So for me, it was most... Man, I want to say... Like looking back... Okay, no, I'm going to try to put myself in 2018. In 2018, it was frustrating. It was frustrating for me because in that moment of time, I was working with international students. I loved it so much. But what what was frustrating about it was just the polarizing and political aspect of it, like people's opinions on what the international students needed to do. And I was their advocate. And it was hard navigating that with them. And on top of that, I was pregnant and I needed, like, I wanted to be not stressed out for my baby's sake. And I wanted to like have a very calm demeanor for him. And on top of that, like my husband and I were talking about our future, like for our family, for like my next steps with my potential business, but we didn't know it would happen so fast. Like, oh, you're going to own your own business this year, actually, Dolly. So even though the circumstances were very infuriating. It was kind of a relief when that moment happened for me because now then I had like the permission to like start dreaming and dreaming big for and mapping out like, okay, this is what the business can potentially look like. And now I can concentrate on my family. And yeah, I'm so happy. I'm, I don't work for anybody anymore like I love yeah. I love being my own boss I love owning my own business and yes it comes with a lot of roller coaster emotions but I would oof as much as I loved s- serving my students working and advocating for the students I do not miss the uh, I don't know the, the the politics behind the business that I worked for the university yeah. I worked for I'll just say it like that
0: yep yeah I I can totally relate. I feel like higher education yeah. is a whole different ballgame when it comes to politics, especially. I'm not sure if you yes. were at a state institution, but I was at the University of Iowa, which is... Was that a private? Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but yeah. lots of politics.
1: Yeah, lots of politics. And because it was private, I think there was like also opinions on who you needed to follow depending upon who had wielded the most powerful influence. And I just... I couldn't keep up emotionally. I just could not keep up. And my I just wanted to do my job. And I did not want to, I, I guess, like serve people that were not the students, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: What I think is really so. interesting about what you said is that it got easier once the decision was made. And I think that's true in so many different areas of life, but also with business. The hardest part yeah. is just making the decision. And then after you make the decision... Mm-hmm it gets so much easier to figure out what to do next, but the stress and the pressure to just make that decision, especially if it's a big change, that's huge.
1: Yeah. It was very, oh, I'm just so glad 2018 is over with. So yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm so glad, but I will share this just like to add more to the drama of the story so that like, you can be like, I'm just like, I'm still in shock that this happened. So I I left in August of 2018. And that's when I started my full-time business. I was like, okay, this is when Dolly DeLong Photography opens up. And I was still getting calls from people from that office needing help when... My son was born in November. People were calling me when I was delivering my son and oh I thought they were calling to congratulate me, but no, they were calling me to get help. Even though I had like created systems to like offboard and onboard the new person and they were like calling, they still needed help. And I was like, and my husband actually told me, he's like, just block them because we need to concentrate on our son. Like they need to let you go.
0: Yeah, it's not your responsibility anymore. Yes, yes. (laughs) But it's hard when you like your coworkers and genuinely want to help.
1: Yes, yes. So I was like, oh man. So talking about
0: systems and workflows, you were obviously Mm -hmm. the organized one and you had everything put together when you left. But where did your passion for organization, systems, workflows, productivity, when did you realize like how far back does that go and how did you pivot in your business starting out in photography? Yeah. How did you decide to incorporate that into your business? Because I think a lot of people like you are very Mm multi-passionate and sometimes it's hard to decide what needs to be a hobby or something that's just for me? And what should I incorporate into my business? And it's kind of like a fine line. So I'm curious to hear your story.
1: Yeah, definitely. So since I was doing photography on the side, in my mind as a hobby from 2007 to 2018, it was really just like purely a side business while I was working full-time at the university. And so while I was working full-time, I was unknowingly growing growing that business and while I was unknowingly growing that business I had developed systems I didn't know what they were called, but I was organizing clients and I was able to juggle that along with working. And a part of my job at the time for the seven years at the university was traveling extensively. So while I was also traveling and I was also juggling clients for both the university and also my own, what I thought, side hobby. Mm-hmm. So I developed systems along the way that worked for me, kept me organized, kept me sane. And I think I, I I was just like unknowingly building out a foundation of systems and workflows without knowing what I was doing. I don't know if that helps answer your question. I just had, I made it work and it felt good. Like it felt natural to me and my personality. So at what point did you realize, oh,
0: other business owners don't do this? Because I had a very similar experience in my brand photography business where I realized, oh, other photographers aren't doing this. They actually need what I have to offer. What did that look like?
1: Okay. So the year that clicked for me was 2020, which was a huge year for a lot of people, obviously, for so many reasons. But when I was forced to be at home, not in a negative way, just like I could not go out and do shoots anymore. My income was being cut just because everything was being canceled and Mm -hmm. all the shoots were being canceled. And so while I was staying at home, I started just like getting questions from other photographers and I like, how do you stay organized? Like, what do you do for like, for example, blogging SEO? Cause I get found a lot of my clients find me via SEO for my family photography business and for branding photography. So I I just started sharing like my systems for how I set up SEO and how I blog and how I build out content. And then I started digging more into that strength. Like maybe there's something to this. Maybe you can offer either, I don't know, continued free education or like dig it overall, just dig into the strength Dolly, because you may have to pivot part of your business to, or like I started thinking I may have to start earning money a different way. And Mm -hmm. because I don't know when I'll be able to meet up with clients one-on-one again, I just dove into that. I started diving into that strength based off of people reaching out to me, asking me questions and me being forced to slow down. And that helped me see my strengths because I wasn't doing anything like during my normal office hours. I had to slow down, slowing down helped me see what my strengths were.
0: Did you see that that part of your business gave you any sort of like competitive advantages as a photographer? Because obviously you have to be good at photography to play the game and get clients. But when you're able to have organization and systems that give a better experience, it does differentiate you. So I'm curious if you noticed that in your own business.
1: I was thinking about this question because I know like you had sent me some questions earlier I hope this helps answer this in this way. So you know how I am a, I work as a branding photographer too. So how I tied in strategy with branding photography is this, since I know that as a systems and workflow educator, I do, I help out with a lot of launch pre launches for different clients. And I know a part of launching is, either like a program, a digital product, a service, whatever, is needing content visually. And so I was able to transfer that into branding photography and communicate with business owners like, hey, when you use these photos, and I have these all over my website, I have this wording all over my website and also in follow-up emails and also Reminding them, hey, when you're planning out your branding photography session, we need to think so much more than just, you know, your typical headshot or Are you working on a computer or Are you like smiling at the camera. We will get those shots for you. However, think about how you're going to use these photos in your content library, not just for Instagram, not just for social media, but for email marketing, for I don't know, any launches you may have, like they may not necessarily have a digital product launch, but they may have a service that they are wanting to, you know, attract their ideal client for. And so I want them to start thinking strategically through, okay, how am I going to use these images strategically for marketing purposes? So in that way, I like to bridge the strategy of launching workflow systems, SOPs. And then I like to bridge that with the visual content and help them see, okay, this is what you need for your branding session so that they, they know how to strategically use them and not just like throw it on Instagram once a week. They invested in me. So I want them to use them strategically to truly reach their ideal client. I think that makes a ton of
0: sense for brand photography specifically, because there is so much planning and strategy on the front end. You can't just show up and be like, all right, we're going to spend two hours shooting photos and get creative. Yeah. Yeah. Family sessions, though, I feel like there is an element where, of course, like a client prep guide, but I feel like there's other elements where you can be strategic and getting families the exact images that they want. Do you have special processes that you go through
1: with your family sessions as well? Not really. That was my first type of photography since, you know, since 2007. And so I have had many iterations of how I market and how I reach out to family photography clients, but... I mostly market myself as a milestone family photographer. So that means like maternity, newborn, any important milestone sessions for the family. Like there is a marketing strategy, but there's no me communicating with the families. So, okay, this is how you're going to use your photos. Like, because they already know how they want to use their photos. It's normally for like Christmas photos or milestone photos or um certain life event photos. So I don't need to communicate with them. Okay. Like this is how you should use your photos. It's mostly right. for business owners who reach out to me. I want to make sure that they know how, like what their next steps are so that they are, they are putting themselves out there visually. Yeah.
0: And I think you can even tie it back to like doing your client questionnaire or something like that. And as a photographer, thinking about what will my clients want to use their photos for? I know some family photographers will do like headshots, individual headshots Mm -hmm. while they're there because why not have a little extra like... I don't know, bump to your gallery in an extra way to use your photos and be more satisfied with your experience. But there's other things that families might want, specific photos or specific, I'm thinking newborn sessions, like a blanket that was a gift that they want to make sure they use. You know, those tiny little details make a huge difference. And the photographers who take the time to ask those questions versus the ones that show up and then later they realize, oh, we should have done this. We
1: should have done that. It does make a difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. I do send out a questionnaire to families before every session and I send personalized videos to them, mostly for the mom to walk her through, like, this is what the experience is going to look like. Let me know how to, what personal touches you want. So I guess there is that video component that I do. I'm sure that your workflow is amazing. Again, it just comes oh, so yeah. naturally
0: to you. You're like, what do you
1: mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really I definitely do that. Like... <laughs> so I, I definitely have components of my workflow that involve personalizing videos and making sure to send it over to mom. Because as a mom myself, I know my client very well and she's a mom and she has young ones and I know she probably needs some extra guidance because as a mom, I feel scatterbrained a lot and I feel like I'm all over the place. So sometimes I just need somebody to hold my hand and tell me, okay, this is what you need to do with me, ABCD okay, great. Think about these things and then meet me on this day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially a video that they can like listen to if they're on the go, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause I don't know any moms that are just going to sit down and read while her children are screaming in the background and well, mine are at least burning the house down. Like there's, there's no calm. Like I need, I need something really quick to consume. And then I'm on the go with my sons, especially Blaze.
0: So, yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. So, you are doing it in a special way for family sessions. Yes, I guess so. I did that. Yeah, we eventually got it out of me. I did not know.
1: I was like, I don't know. What do I do?
0: So, I really want to make sure that we have time to talk about your email list oh, yeah, definitely. and your bundle. Yes. But one last question before we get there. So, you mentioned that you are at home full time with your kids and also yes. running your business. And I didn't realize that you were doing mm-hmm. that too. So, this question yes. of how do you stay on top of all of these different components of your business <laughs> and also do what you're doing so well because your content is so great and i feel like you're everywhere how do you manage it all i know it's a cliche question but what are your processes or systems or like favorite tips for staying on top of so many moving parts
1: oh man <sighs> so many things i <laughs> i would say I give one, I have to give myself lots of grace and lots of patience because I am a very, I I know I have perfectionist tendencies and I want Mm -hmm. everything to be perfect. And then I think that's why God gave me boys. So he, I can like loosen up a little bit and be just like, go with the flow, like with life, because my boys are like, Yeah. That's not happening, mom. But (laughs) when I was pregnant with my firstborn with blaze, I started laying out a foundation of time management for myself. Now it wasn't perfect, but I knew that when my son was here, I was like, I need to know where every single minute is going in my day so that I could concentrate on my work. And then also, so I can, like also be a mom, but that, that first, the first year or so I w- I'm going to say the first two years of blaze, that was, that was me trying to navigate and figure that out. And it was, I felt like a hot mess because mm-hmm. my heart would be either 100% with work or 100% with blaze or like half and half. And I felt scattered all the time and frustrated. And it made me frustrated at him. And he didn't do anything wrong. He's a baby. He needed help. He needed like compassion and love. And like, I was frustrated. I was like, he like I had that really negative attitude of, like, oh, if he would just like go to sleep, I could work. And like, I real my husband had to point that out to me, like, and it was very humbling, very embarrassing. And so because of that, because of that very, S- sad circumstance, like that mindset. I decided, like, I need to name and sit down where all my m- minutes are going in my day, where my hours are going, how I'm like spending my time, and make a work schedule that works for me and for Blaze. And so, I oh man, I read this book called 168 Hours by Laura oh, yeah. Vander v- camp. Yes. That impacted me a lot in tremendous ways for my business. So she has this exercise that you map out your entire week based on what you do. So like she has you like literally map out every hour for one week. And then the next week you see like you can group, okay, I'm actually free here Because from 7.30 to 9.30, I ended up watching Netflix for two hours. And so, or from this time to this time, my son is sleeping and I ended up doing something else. And so based off of like my schedule mapping, I saw, okay, well, I can work these times. Then I can still be present for my son during these times. And so it showed me like, Dolly, you may not have the traditional nine to five or the traditional 40 hours a week for your business, but you can get a lot accomplished in 15 hours a week. Yeah, And so that's what I started doing. And then what helped was I asked for help Like a lot of moms don't do this. They don't ask for help because they think that they can do it all. So I asked for help and I found a sitter for once a week for Blaze. So once a week on Wednesdays, for example, a sitter would come in, watch Blaze at the house and I would get work done for let's say six hours. And then the other days of the week, I would work around his nap. So I was doing the nap time hustle and then working on that that full time on like Wednesdays, for example. And then it's, so it's evolved every, literally every quarter it's evolved either based upon Blaze's schedule, Blaze's school schedule, Blaze is in school now. So that's helped out a lot, but now I have a newborn. So I, every quarter I assess, okay, What, what is blaze's schedule look like? What is this? What is Jack's schedule look like? When can I work? When do I need to spend time with Ty? Because he is a priority. (laughs) My marriage has has to be a priority. And then when can, what do I need help with? And so right now in this season, currently I, I still do the nap time hustle for two hours a day. I do a full day, on now it's going to be Fridays when the sitter comes in to watch both boys. So I'm still able to work 10 to 15 hours a week, but it looks very different every quarter. I just have to sit down and map it out at the top of every quarter based again, based off of schedules, based off of moving parts. And it, it works for me and I still get things done. So
0: in your business, are you outsourcing any tasks or are you using those 15 hours a week to do everything that I see you doing?
1: I outsource several things. So one of the main things I outsource, I have an accountant who helps me with the numbers behind my business. And that's very helpful. Thank God for accountant. Oh man. Otherwise I'd be in jail. I know that's dramatic, <laughs> but I always feel like I'm like, Oh no took out the wrong amount. And like, I, I don't know. I'm thank God for Jackie. So I'm an accountant. And then I also outsource my podcast production. And so I'm able to batch record with different guests like you. And then I hand that off to a podcast producer who she edits everything, takes care of the show notes, takes care of that workflow And then I also have a VA who helps out with the back end of that podcast SOP because there's also needing to create batching out Instagram captions, Instagram posts, Pinterest, like everything to drive back traffic to that specific podcast. Mm -hmm. So I have somebody that helps me out with that twice, two for two hours a week, two to three hours a week and so those are my three main things that I outsource and then everything else I do I am in the process of hiring a bookkeeper which is really cool to me and scary and cool at the same time because like always making a new hire makes me so excited and scared at the same time but yeah and I have hopefully we'll have a bookkeeper by the time this episode airs and but everything else I do so I do the content creation, I do the marketing strategy well that honestly comes naturally to me the strategic marketing because I teach others through systems and workflows how to mm-hmm. plan strategic launches. And so yeah, so I I outsourced four different things and then I work on everything else and then, I look at my goals for the quarter. I do quarterly planning and I look at my goals for the quarter, what I need to focus on, what my content needs to be. And I map everything out. Like we're going into quarter two and this morning and tomorrow I'm mapping out all of my podcast episodes for the rest of Q2 and how they're all going to lead to specific content with purpose and strategy. And then what lead magnets do I need to attach to that? How to grow my email list during this process. So I am very serious about strategic content planning. And so I usually take like a week. Normally what would take a person a day who had a full eight hour day, it normally takes me a week to map that out with two hour spurts every day. So Mm. normally one week for a quarter, like for the next 90 days, I'm taking one week to map out the next quarter. I just did an episode a
0: couple of weeks ago on CEO days. So for anyone who wants to dig more into my process for this, I'm sure that you might have an episode on your process for quarterly planning too, but it's just a few episodes back, but it's good to know that you spread it out because I definitely have the luxury right now of doing mine in one day where I hit a coffee shop and crank it out.
1: Yeah, that's great. Another thing I've done in the past was get a hotel for the weekend. And I told my husband, like, you're watching Blaze. Now it's going to be, you're watching the boys. And if I plan ahead, like at least a few months ahead, like it's in his calendar and he has a plan of like what he's going to do with both boys. Or I tell my mother-in-law, Hey, like, will you help out? And she's, Like, always excited to help out with the boys. And so I I will go and get a hotel overnight and I will like map everything out if I want like eight hours of uninterrupted time. I think it's really inspiring
0: to hear what your behind the scenes looks like and to even hear that you work 15 hours ish a week right now, because in this season that I'm in, we're not trying to have kids, but we're like thinking about having kids soon. And as a business owner, I feel like I struggle in this season of my life a lot with not knowing like after I have a baby, what is my business going to look like? Will I want to have them home all the time? Will I need to get childcare? And I think as somebody as obsessed with productivity as I am, I'm really inspired by moms who are like, yeah, I get it all done in 15 hours. And I feel like it's it's almost like giving yourself a deadline, and when you have that much time to get it done, somehow you just get it done.
1: You just get it done, and it's, it's not like perfect, but it's done, and like mm-hmm. you can, you can polish it and and put it out there.
0: Yep, I'm working on cranking out B plus work as a perfectionist. That's always been hard for me, so I'm sure it'll push me too. <laughs> it's very hard. It's very
1: yeah. very hard, but I'm really trying to hone in. Like, what are my main money makers? Mm-hmm. hone in on that and like create content for that. And then like, I I try to give myself some fun time in the 15 hours. So I try to give myself one or two hours of fun time so I can be creative and still be flexible and learn something new, learn a new system, learn a new workflow, still push myself. But I, I just want to let you know, it's, it's a hard, I'm very perfectionist. And I, I'm trying to let let go of those tendencies and it's, and it's very hard.
0: It's so hard. It's a process for sure. It takes time and I'm sure that you've improved and made progress a lot, but I don't feel like (laughs) like we'll ever completely be over it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am like, okay. And I, it's also helpful to see other women who have done this before me, who are balancing everything or who I look up to. And cause I really want to be a present mom and I want to be a present wife. And also I am so proud of my business. I do want to grow, but how do I, I don't know, how do I have a sustainable business and also a very healthy marriage and be a healthy parent. And so I'm looking to other women who have gone before me and who are modeling this. And so I like, I, I look at other women too, other moms, other wives, and I ask their advice or I'm just like watching. I'm like, okay, like they are prioritizing this or like, like they're setting this example to me. So what I'm sharing this because I'm like, I am learning from other people who are, have gone before me.
0: Yeah. I was actually at a panel on parenthood. Our church did like a panel on parenting after service a few weeks ago. And on the panel, there was one mother who was a reader. And she had curated all of these great parenting resources and was suggesting all these books. And then the mom right next to her is like, those are great resources. But just so everyone knows, I've never read a book about parenting. I've just asked people who've done it. And I think that's a really comforting idea, even for business owners. Like, You don't have to read all the books. There's Mm -hmm. such valuable knowledge and wisdom from people who've just done it and going to the source and asking.
1: it's true. It's true. I'm glad you mentioned the whole, like you being a part of a panel at your church. I mean, I feel comfortable enough to share this. Like I, a lot of, I don't know, my guidance has to come from God. Like, like I look to him for my wisdom source and as I don't know, as woo woo silly, that might sound to somebody like he literally like I have to be sustained by him and rely on him. And then I'm able to like take action to know like how to parent, how to be like, like a good partner and wife to my husband and then how to lean into my business because when I stop focusing on God, again, I'm not trying to make this into a devotional. So I promise the listeners who are like, Oh my, my is she going to like lead us to the water and baptize us? No, but I, I have to be sustained by God. And he has led me through many ups and downs in my business. And he's closed a lot of doors Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm just had to trust him. And I just like am very grateful I have him to rely on because this business journey is very, very emotional and it's a roller coaster and it's definitely not easy. Nothing is easy in life. Parenting is not easy. Being in a marriage is not easy. Like, nothing is easy, but I have a sustainer and that's what's been helping me. I guess that's like the whole point of this podcast. He's been sustaining me. That's the answer. That's it. Yeah. I think that when
0: it comes to productivity, no matter how much organization or systems or processes are in place, like you're always going to get to that point where something is hard and you have that moment where you realize there has to be something more than this. And I feel like people, Mm -hmm. especially after they've been successful, which is really interesting, and hit huge milestones will then stop and be like, well, what's the point? You know, Or people Mm -hmm. who are at the top of their careers. And so I think... We have a lot in common, like I said, and so we share similar beliefs when it comes to faith. Not everyone listening to this podcast will, but... I agree with everything that you said. Like, at some point in my business, no matter how on top of things I am, no matter how many things I get done, like, there's always going to be that element that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. And for me, it helps me to like cope with that or process that or move on more quickly, trusting that God is in control. And so everything might be mm-hmm. going wrong right now, but I know it's going to be okay.
1: Yeah. And for me, I'm just like, okay, well, he, gave me this personality for a reason. He like gave me these strengths. He will help them flourish and grow. It may not look like how I want them to look like, like I may not like be a millionaire tomorrow, but if I like pour myself into the things that matter. And for me, what matters is my husband, my sons. And like the third thing is like my business, But the first two things, my husband and my sons, like if I pour into that, he will give me, he will give me wisdom and I can navigate like everything else in my life. And also like knowing my enoughness every single day, like what I need to contribute to the family. It's not like my husband's like, you need to bring in. I don't know. Let's think of a ridiculous number. You need to bring in $50,000 every day. Like that, he, there's no pressure. Like he's yeah. like, just be, my husband's always reminding me, just be the mom that God has called you to be just like, be a woman of God. Like, and then everything will work out. Like maybe we won't be millionaires. We won't be in the spotlight, but like do what God has like shaped you to like give He's given me so much strength in system. I know this is weird, but God, I literally believe like God has given me my personality for a reason. And I want to lean into these strengths. But while I'm leaning into these strengths, I'm also trying to lean into him and let him dictate the path. And again, (laughs) if you're not a believer, you're listening to this, you're like, you guys are insane. You guys sound crazy. I I know it sounds crazy, but like, this is just like what I firmly believe in.
0: Part of what I teach about when it comes to being a business minimalist is deciding what enough is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what you're just saying kind of tied into that And in different seasons, enough is going to look differently, but it's enough for me to show up and serve my clients well this week. It's enough for me Mm -hmm. to be a great mom and wife in this moment and not worry about the things on my computer. I feel like what you said tied in really well with that principle.
1: And it's hard. You all, it is hard. So if you're like, wow, she sounds like a goody, goody Christian. No, I'm a hot mess. I'm a hot mess. We are all hot messes (laughs) and I'm still, yeah, I'm like figuring it out every day.
0: And I feel like the more people I talk to in the productivity space, for some reason, people think when you teach about systems or organization, or if you have a planner company, then, oh, you must have everything together. No, <laughs> it's not the case. No, you don't. I got good at this for a reason because I was really bad at it yeah. <laughs> and needed it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, exactly. I we're running out of time here and we haven't even touched on the email list. I think that I could ask you a million more follow-up questions, but I really do <laughs> want to spend some time talking about how you grew your email list by 4,000 subscribers in 5 days. Yes, And I know you have a full episode on this. And so I'll link that one in the show notes. But generally, mm-hmm. I want to know how did you come up with this idea? And what did it take? And then... So 3 parts. How do you think of it? What did that look like to implement it? And third, what results did you see after growing your email list by 4,000 subscribers? What did that do for your business?
1: Okay. So the first part to answer your question is I, as a systems and workflow educator, I'm always looking for ways to grow my email list. And one of the ways, basic foundational ways you grow your email list is through a lead magnet and opt-in. And so I really dug into different forms of lead magnets and opt-ins. I love lead magnets so much. I even have a mini course about lead magnets. That's how much I love systems and workflows of lead magnets. Well, as I was like doing the, and this is, has been over the course of three years, just like learning about lead magnets, learning different ways to grow your email list organically. Cause I don't have a big marketing budget for Facebook ads or Instagram ads or anything like that. So I'm in it for the long game. I know what my offers are. I know like who I want to serve. So I'm in it for the long game. I'm I'm looking ahead. I'm trying to like lay a good foundation slowly over time. So one of the ways I learned was it's not self-taught. I learned it from some, another podcast. I I listened to do the brave thing by Kate Doster. And so I've been listening to her for like two, almost three years now. And she talks, she teaches a lot about email marketing and list building. And she had this program called, Oh, I think it's called cash in collaboration. And I was just like curious. I'm like, what is this? So she's talking about it and it's essentially like growing your email list exponentially with a bundle. And so I decided I'm going to look into this. And essentially it's like a giant lead magnet as you are collaborating with other business owners and you promote your programs together. And so I decided to like Learn more about bundles. And so I purchased her cash in collaboration program because she was talking about it on a podcast episode. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to learn it and I'm going to apply it because this is a type of lead magnet I want to learn. And so t- almost two years ago, I decided. After learning from her I decided okay I'm going to apply this to my business which is systems and workflow education and how can I apply this in a bundle well I decided to do a bundle about systems and workflow education for creative business owners so what that means is having different mini resources templates courses all about helping creative business owners with the back end of their business so different systems, different puzzle pieces. So I reached out and pitched myself to at the time, like, I think it was 25 different contributors. And I asked them, Hey, like, this is what I'm planning out. I have it all mapped out. This is when it's going to be. And will you join me on this? And like, I had it all organized. Like I had it all mapped out, all organized. I even had like terms and conditions and like it wasn't email list sharing whatsoever. It was like, Hey, like if they join the bundle, they have the opportunity to download your resource. And then that way your email list grows as well. So it was like beneficial for the contributors and it was beneficial for the people who downloaded and so my first bundle was free and I thought it was going to bring in like, you know, like a hundred, 200 people because I had only experienced like five opt-ins like a week or like mm-hmm. 10 opt-ins a week slowly. But I had to upgrade Zapier three times that week with this bundle. You're a I kept on getting notifications. Like it was like, I was like, come on, Zapier. Like they were like, you're running out of zaps. So I would like, up, like upgrade again. You're running out of zaps. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is very stressful, but this is the best type of stress.
0: Digging in a little bit here. How much time do you, would you estimate it took you if you were only expecting oh. to get like a hundred subscribers, how much time were you putting into that?
1: I, okay, so planning out that bundle, that first bundle, like since it was my very first time, I purchased it in fall of 2021 because, oh, yeah, so fall of 2021, I purchased it in September and started implementing it right away. And then I decided this is going to be in January of 2022. And so I had a January... October, November, December. Okay. So I had like four month runway where I mapped it out and that helped out a lot. And I mapped it out to be a runway because that's how I treat most. I treated it like a launch. I treated it like this is going to be like a mini service launch. This is, I treated that lead magnet. Like it was going to be like an actual product. And so that is where a lot of, I believe a lot of business owners creative, especially creative business centers can go wrong because they have a product idea or they have a service idea or they have a new idea and they instantly want to present it to the world and they put it together and they're like, nobody has subscribed. Nobody has downloaded. Nobody has purchased. And it's because mm-hmm. you're not like, you're not getting people excited and amped up and hyped up for that for, yeah. for months. Like you need a runway and that's not fun. That's not sexy because like, you're like, do You feel like you're repeating it over and over for three months. And yes, you are, but you're doing it in different ways. You're doing it in strategic mm-hmm. ways. So I essentially did what I teach other people, my clients, and I did it for myself and it worked. It like, it was like a huge event. And then, yeah, so I went from 500 people to 4,000 people in a week and it was bananas. So how long (laughs) did it take for you to see the results after that? So
0: it's January, 2022, your email list blows up. What happened in your
1: business after that? The biggest thing that impacted me was the, I would say two things. One, the community that was instantly built from that, the people coming onto my email list, they needed and wanted systems Mm -hmm. and workflows. And I was getting so many DMs, so many emails from them that saying, thank you for doing this. I can't believe this was for free. I cannot believe that somebody would do this. Like, thank you so much. I have benefited so much. So I was getting like voice of customer and I was getting social proof and I was getting kind of like a, like more of a confidence boost or more of, what's the word I'm looking for? What's phrase I'm looking for? I was getting more proof that this is something that I need to dig into even more, like, like how to teach systems and workflows, like different aspects of it with other... Mm-hmm collaboration way to help more impact more because I couldn't do it alone. And so one, and then two, the contributor, the relationships I built from that is still growing to this day. Like it's been over a year and I'm still like business friends with a lot of people that I cold pitch to. And now like, I, I feel like I could just like DM them or called some of them call them. And so it definitely built out a lot of good relationships, especially in the online space. And that has given me momentum and to have more confidence in podcasting. It's given me more content for podcasting, more purpose. Like Mm -hmm. I know now that my strength, I mean, I've always known my strength is in systems and workflows. Like that is a huge strength of mine, but now I know how to like what type of content to create and future bundles, future summits to create. And so I did a second one this year and this time, because I was getting so much customer feedback saying to me last year, you should have like i would have paid for this like several people told me i would have paid for this a I'm lot like, of value oh, okay i will i will make this a paid bundle and so there was a difference like last year's was completely free and i think that's why it was that huge growth of 4000 subscribers right away and this year since it was paid it kind of acted like a gate like you have to pay to get the bundle but still it, over the course of For five days, I grew my email list by about 240 people, but generated $28,000 and some of it was affiliates and all that stuff. But I like, still like, it was great. It was, it was life-changing for me, like impact changing and so that iterated a third like option for the system and I call it the systems and workflow magic bundle and now I'm creating a systems and workflow magic summit and so I try to do new iterations of systems and workflow magic every year and so I just I just want to impact people to know like how to incorporate systems and workflows into their business it's easy it can be fun just do one system at a time and it can like streamline your business and make really good impact. What
0: really surprised me about what you said about your bundle is that those email subscribers, some of them definitely opted out. But you mentioned on your episode, you were surprised by how many of them stayed on your list because your Mm -hmm. lead generator was so closely aligned to what you do. Your content is so relevant to what they obviously needed in their business. And I think people consider giveaways and think, well, whatever, they're not going to stay on my list or they just want the free thing and then they're going to leave. But I think what's so strategic about doing a bundle and packaging it the way that you did so that it was a very specific topic was just so strategic. And it's not that they opted out. They're still
1: on your list. Mm -hmm. And I am so... Still blown away because like those subscribers are now like a part of my community and they like respond back to my emails when I do my email marketing newsletter every week. And I don't know, I just like I I just really love the community that I've built out and I let them know what's happening in my life. Like there are several people that let me know how happy they are for Jack and for Blaze. And they're like, if we lived closer, we would babysit. Like they're just like Oh my gosh they are just so sweet. They're so sweet. And so, and so it makes me want to pour even more content, like helpful content for them to help their businesses. They are being word of mouth for me. They're sending people over to my other lead magnets and to bring it to grow my email list. And so again, like I have a very, I'm in it for the long game. Like I want to build out a community. And I want to help. I want to help people see the power of systems and workflows. And also like, I'm really good at connecting, like with collaborations. I have connected a lot of different contributors together to work together who didn't know each other before. And so I'm just really trying to lean into what I'm strong at and what I'm good at. And it's fun. It is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And I think when your focus is just on serving people, you can't go wrong. Because what is business if not giving value to somebody? And if you're finding Mm -hmm. what is valuable and offering it and doing something that you really like doing and you're good at, what a sustainable way to grow a business without burning out. But also, yeah, I want to talk about low-ticket offers because I think a lot of creatives Mm -hmm. who have higher-ticket services, they think about the numbers when it comes to creating low ticket offers like how much would i sell it for and how many people would actually buy that but yes you should make money off of your offers but i do think having low ticket offers in your business also opens so many doors like you said to get people in your audience and to collaborate with other business owners my organize your business clickup template that is what i use every time i've been asked to collaborate with other people and it has opened a lot of doors yes. even if it's definitely not the most profitable or you know, financially like highest revenue stream but opening doors is also super valuable. So thinking about the two-sided approach to growing your business and playing the long game, those relationships might not convert and you might not get 10 referrals tomorrow, but if it's a long-term relationship that you nurture, it's totally worth it.
1: Yeah. And you like have to remind yourself as a business owner, which I'm sure you do this, like these are people, these are humans and they're not just like, there to like line your pocketbook. Yes, like you need to get paid to run your business, to have a sustainable business, but still, these are humans and you need to respect them and humanize them and treat them like people. And people will notice, like, people have that, like, good sense. It's just like kids have good, like, sense. I don't know, like, I've noticed this about kids since having kids, like, like they know what type of que- they know when something is up or they know mm-hmm. what type of questions to ask. But, and then I think with business online business, like it's the same way people know when you're like trying to get them like to do something in action for your benefit versus they know when you're being genuine and yeah, they know like you sell things, but at the same time, they know that you are, you're a decent human and you are treating them like a human. So they, they appreciate that. And so I don't know, just like you have to remind yourself, like at the end of the day, let's treat all these people like people and not like a dollar sign.
0: Mic drop moment right there. And we are <laughs> over time and I want to make sure we finish
1: before nap time is over. So... Why oh, it's don't... okay. He has a different... He has a whole hour before he wakes up. So we're good oh, to good. go. Oh, we good. We can go for 10. No, we can go for one more hour. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But <laughs> So why don't we wrap up with... If
0: you could give creative business owners one piece of advice when it comes to systems and workflows,
1: what would it be? Ooh. Goodness, goodness. Oh, there's okay. If you are just now starting out with systems and workflows and you're like, I don't know where to start out. I don't know how to begin. It's overwhelming. Okay, map out. This is what I have people do. Map out your most offered service. So if you're a service-based business owner or if you have a digital product, whatever, let's say you're a service-based business owner, what does that client journey with you look like from start all the way to finish and write it out and map it out. And it's not a fun task to do because like literally there's everything is living in your brain and you're doing it on autopilot. It needs to get out on paper and it needs to go in an SOP standard operating procedure. And so like, what are the things that you are doing? Like literally from top to bottom, like how are you attracting them? Like top of funnel, like what's your marketing? Okay. What content pieces are you creating to market? Like literally, I want you to map everything out, every single step. So when they reach out to you, what happens? Okay. When they fill out your contact form, what's the order of events? Okay. When like literally step by step, by step, by step, and then you have that out. And then I want you then to either put that in a project management tool, kind of like Asana or Trello or ClickUp, whatever, a Google doc, like whatever. And then you have your standard operating procedure for that service. And it can be consistent for every single client who interacts with you, because I guarantee you, if it lives in your head and you don't have a SOP nailed out for a service, your customer service is going to be inconsistent and it's going to, like some people are going to feel awesome working with you. And then other people are going to be like, this person is scattered. Like, it's like, they're doing things last minute for me. Cause they realized that they had to do this and they're going to feel, they're going to be stressed out because they hired you. So get it all out and make sure you are treating every customer the same and giving them the same client journey. Because when you do that, you are surprising them and delighting them. And then they are going to be your word of mouth for future marketing and future referrals. Like if you don't believe me, I say, go ahead and try it, try it, map it out, like give it like a good quarter of like testing this out. And you will see that it works. Like this process works. I wholeheartedly
0: agree. And I just don't want to skip over the importance of this because what I've noticed with my coaching clients is that they want to jump to the software first and try to figure out how to start putting things in Dubsado or HoneyBook. And that is not the first step. The first step (laughs) is to map it out and then pick your software later because it might not be the best software for your workflow just because another photographer or designer is using it. So great advice. Exactly. Exactly. So where can people find you after the podcast to connect with you, to hop on your podcast, to make sure they're not missing out on any announcements about the
1: summit, where all the places... Okay, so if you are on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at Dolly DeLong Education. That's where I educate other creative business owners on all things systems, workflows, SOPs. And then I have my own podcast called the Systems and Workflow Magic Podcast. And then. And I'm trying to think of what else, or if you want to like find me online, like go to dollydelongphotography.com. And that is where both businesses lie or live. And yeah, so find me, DM me if you like, if this was helpful and I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It was, this was a fun conversation.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I think it was surprising because we both met each other interviewing on each other's podcast, but we just had so much in common. So this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Absolutely. You'll have to come back on another time.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much again, Dolly. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Business Minimalist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Your rating and review will help more small business owners discover helpful episodes each week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources mentioned in today's episode, because good ideas don't grow businesses. Action does. And if you want more business minimalist tips and resources, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadevoid.co. I'd love to hear what you took away from today's episode. I'll see you next time on the Business Minimalist Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement. Plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.